0: Hello again, friends, and welcome to another episode of Nextra Presents. Today, Grant is talking to Trevor Lively from Blue Jay Irrigation. Trevor is a second-generation business owner and talks to Grant about his start in the business, the transition in leadership to him from his father, the things he's learned, as well as the way he has expanded the business. Trevor is honest, transparent, wise, and relatable. That will most definitely come through in this interview. So here's Grant's conversation with Trevor Lively.
1: All right, everyone, welcome to today's episode of the Next Represents podcast. Sitting across from me today is Trevor Lively from Blue Jay Irrigation. Trevor, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Trevor, I've known you and your family for quite a long time, and it's exciting to have you on the podcast to tell our guests about your history and, uh, yeah, kind of how you're involved in the irrigation industry. So tell us how it all started out for you.
2: Yeah, so the joke is I was born with a shovel in my hand. But to be honest, I was that kid who loved his dad and just wanted to be by his side. Loved what he did. Loved all the cool toys and equipment he had and just wanted to work, wanted to be with him, wanted to run equipment. And so that's what really got me interested initially in irrigation and Blue Jay. And so much so, I was eight years old and my dad sold a golf course and they had cottages on the lake. So we were able to go up and stay with them that summer. But little did he know that uh, I was going to be up at the crack of dawn with him and I'd work with him all day long and finish up at sunset. And that really got my start in, in my passion for irrigation. And moving on to when I was 12, he sold two nine hole golf courses that summer. And I don't know if I just pestered him enough, but he finally agreed to take me and call it child labor or not. But that was the best summer <laughs> of my life. The two of us just worked hand in hand together, just the two of us. We did two nine hole golf courses. and. Uh, He expected me to work like a 20-year-old, but I did it, you know, and it's it's something I've I've always been proud of, but more than anything, I got to work with my dad, and that's really where the foundation of everything started for me, and then just so happened moving past that, every summer, my grandfather happened to have a vacancy on his van every year, and I was able to work alongside him. So between my dad and my grandfather, the foundation of a work ethic, our core values, and then everything you can get from irrigation knowledge I got from them. So uh, that's really what set the foundation for me and and setting me up to where I am today.
1: Your dad started Blue Jay Irrigation. So when did that start and how did that transition? So he was
2: 18 at the time and it was in 1982. So we're celebrating our 40th year, but he was cutting grass at the time. And at some point went to a Landscape Ontario show and saw a small Toro irrigation booth in the back corner and hmm, thought that's kind of a neat idea so i'm going to try that out so he installed a system at my grandparents and fell in love with it so my grandmother came home one day opened the garage door and there was a wall of pipe in the garage and she knew my dad got into something new so yeah my dad started at 18 by 22 was fully an irrigation company my grandfather was full-time um was a baptist minister but on his days off would go out and Install systems for my dad, and my grandmother always did his books. So even though I I say I'm a second generation owner, I'm third generation in the business.
1: Yeah, it's fairly unique that your grandmother grandfather worked in the business mm-hmm. under your dad, I guess. Yeah. Right? So
2: yeah, and, and they're still there. And uh, you know, my grandfather he comes in and putters and and does things in the back shop for us. But you know, even to this day, he's happy to hop in the truck and come for a ride along just to just to be with me and and spend time with him. And those are just moments that you are so thankful and and blessed to have.
1: so. So along that history, where did Blue Jay start? What geographical area did it start with? And just before you kind of took over, what was the size of the company and stuff like that?
2: For sure. So it started in the London region. My grandparents lived in Strathroy, but my dad focused on London. And eventually in the early 90s, he got into golf installation and that really became his passion and focus so much so that uh, he eventually had two golf course crews installing golf installations during the golf boom the issue that happened was they stopped building golf courses and the golf market collapsed and at that time he really had to flex in the early 2000s back to a residential commercial focus in 2011 we were about three service technicians one install crew my dad's passion in about the mid-2000s really changed to being focused in on our church. And so Blue Jay was not really a focus or something he was driving and growing. And uh, But in 2011 was kind of when I stepped in and really wanted to see Blue Jay grow and thrive. And so from 2011 to where we are today, we've gone from three techs and an install crew to three locations now. We have just over 65 employees. We service over 5,000 customers now.
1: Yeah, so we're going to talk about a little bit about that growth there, but I want to go back to a little bit about did you always want to take over the business? Was that always a dream that you had to take it over from your dad?
2: It's interesting. So I still have project board from my careers class in grade 10, and it was all about Blue Jay. The timeline is definitely different than what actually happened, but uh, it's very neat to look at that and see – where my passions lied, what I th- how I thought things were going to go, where I thought my focus would have been, which in my early 20s definitely thought it was going to be install focus, golf focus, because growing up with my dad in golf, it still was a passion even for myself. But to see how that totally shifted when I got to college and really dove into sales and managing the operations team, things definitely took a different turn. But I would say, yes, my focus always was to be alongside my dad in some capacity, growing and driving the business forward. Okay. Post-secondary education was? So I went to Fanshawe College. I got a business diploma. And then I had a teacher recommend me into uh, the marketing management program. So I went back and got that certificate.
1: Okay. So obviously helpful in the growth of Blue Jay yeah. as well. you did that. So. 100%. Yeah. Okay. So the first part of this is about how to change ownership because we have a lot of even our own owners right now are looking at how to sell a business, and, and a lot of people are asking how to transition that into that next generation. So, how did those talks start? How did that whole conversation happen about you taking over the business? For sure. So,
2: you know, I had a passion for growing Blue Jay, I was wanting to drive it forward, and we have had some past experiences and, you know, different, you know, Blue Jay tried franchising at one point and some different multi location attempts but kind of realizing that's how i wanted to grow but i didn't want to take the same approach uh, i worked with our business coach and we developed our joint venture partnership program that we wanted to implement so uh took that vision of my dad uh, just really shared this is how i th- think blue jay needs to grow and so we opened up kind of the, the holding company and our first partnership together But at that point, he allowed me to partner with him in that venture. And that was my start into ownership. And then later on, I really wanted to have ownership in London in our head office and started the discussion. What would that look like? And then my dad got sick and was diagnosed with cancer. So it went from a conversation and just kind of organically talking about it and approaching it to, okay, we got to get this figured out and figured out today. Mm -hmm. So Definitely presented some challenges. One, you're rushing. You're not making necessarily clear, thoughtful decisions. Yeah. On top of that, my dad's sick. He feels like garbage. And you're not clear-minded in some of the thinking. So there there were some difficult things we had to discuss and maybe not necessarily went to the degree we should have in those discussions. The other thing would have been maybe discussions that we just weren't able to have with the timeline and I was having to basically have those discussions after everything happened and my dad passed with the family, which definitely put some barriers between me and my family, just kind of getting through that process. So my biggest thing I, I really recommend to anyone who's thinking of, you know what, even if you're not thinking of passing on to the next generation, everyone should have a strategic plan that if you were hit by a bus tomorrow, what would happen? Because, The worst thing you can do is set up not only your family, but even your team and how are they going to carry things forward if something tragic happens. So I'm very big on pushing people to have that strategy and that strategic plan. If something were to happen, how does the business move forward? What does the transition look like? Second generation transitions are tough, but it's even tougher if it's uh, forced. Mm
1: -hmm. So speak to, you kind of give a little bit of wisdom there, but if there's a young person out there right now looking at having, starting that conversation with their parent or, you know, maybe some sort of relative, you know, what advice would you give them? Who should they bring into those type of conversations? Mm -hmm. Like if you were to do it all over again and your dad wasn't sick at the time, what would have been the most ideal situation? How would that would have played out? For sure. The best thing my dad and I ever did was get a
2: business coach to help with that dynamic between the two of us so I recommend first and foremost a mentor a coach but someone that's not just for you but someone that respects the parent that you're you're looking to transition with so that uh, it's a very it's almost like a mediator type conversation beyond that you gotta push but don't push too hard this is their baby they've built this thing from the ground up it's almost their their other child it's a very difficult conversation they don't like having it but you need to continue to push and push and have those discussions. But at the same time, it is not worth ruining a relationship over. So be cautious, tread lightly, but at the same time, don't let it just go. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, where's your identity lie? Is it in a business that's not yours that your parent actually started? I think that was one of the biggest realizations I had to come around with was I almost had more identity in Blue Jay when I was younger than my father even had even though it wasn't mine, right? But I was so proud of it. I wanted to be a part of it. wanted to make that difference that uh, it was almost too consuming. So where does your identity actually lie? If it wasn't to happen, what would you go do? Would you go start your own company? Would you go work for someone else? I think you need to come to terms with that first to truly understand why is it you want this company? Where do you want to go? And how are you going to go about it?
1: Mm-hmm. So. In the businesses we've helped to transition into a second generation or to sell, a lot of times it's funny for you to say that you had identity there, but I think your dad had another identity outside of that, which was Mm -hmm. church stuff, right? So he had already started to pull away from that a little bit. A lot of our owners, when we help them, the owner isn't pulled out at all, right? They're still in it and they still see that as identity. So for the next generation owner buying it, that is the toughest thing, right? Because there's lots of things going on in the owner's head that they started this from scratch and letting it go. And and it does create a lot of emotions that go with that, with those conversations. So it was some really good advice for there. And the one thing
2: I respect my dad for is, and some of the second generation might not let me say this, but I never was handed anything. It was always I had to work for it. Mm -hmm. So I never had tuition for school. I was given a job. You can go to school and work to make money to pay for school, but I'm not paying for you to go to school. Yeah. Same with the ownership. You know, it was here's an opportunity, but you're going to buy in, right? You're going to pay for it. There was never anything given to me. Looking back now, it helped build a drive. I saw something I wanted, a goal. I had to go figure out how to get it done. So, if you're looking at transitioning, take small pieces of the pie. Even is there an opportunity for five percent, ten percent? Or in our case, we opened up a whole new side business, still under the bluejay umbrella, but it was a side business that allowed me to easily get
1: my feet in. Without major expenses to buy into the main company. So, we're definitely coming back to that side part, was kind of how you've grown the company from there. But right now, uh, in Blue Jay London, right now, where you guys are kind of your head offices and your major part of your business, what does your ideal client look like? What's the services you provide? Just give us an overview of where the company is right now.
2: So, we're very focused on service, irrigation service, and that's mostly residential and commercial. Revenue-wise, 50-50. Obviously, more residential customers than commercial, but revenue-wise, about 50-50. We do irrigation installation as well, residential commercial. We do a little bit of golf work for the golf courses that just don't have irrigation techs on staff. And then we'll complement the irrigation with landscape lighting, and we do backflow testing to complement the service. But those are add-ons. Irrigation is all we do. That's all we focus on, but with
1: a 60% focus on service first. Okay. When we've helped irrigation contractors in the past, most irrigation contractors hate service, right? So a lot of times you'll see them like, hey, I'll dump my service contracts because they're paying the butt. But why are you focused the other side? Why are you going against the grain of what most irrigation contractors are saying?
2: Service has always been our bread and butter, but we, we really focus on that recurring revenue. It's revenue that's there for us every single year. We've really dialed in those systems and processes that we can produce a really high uh, revenue per customer, but at the same time we can provide a really great experience for those customers. So we find the barrier to producing great technicians is a lot easier than finding really good formants who can run big installation jobs. So we really focus on that service because it's just it's it's more manageable. There's more systems and processes we can put in place, and takes less of my attention. So as I've looked at how to grow, you know, I really focused on install early on when I was younger, but it took a lot of my attention and it just isn't feasible to manage all those projects. It's not feasible for me to be on multiple sites as we're services very easily to duplicate and grow it without a lot of my attention or need for me to be in
1: the field. Okay. So what have you done differently as you've more focused on service to take some as some guys would say take that pain away have you implemented technology have you done just like hired differently like what have you done to make the service a huge part of it that's not a huge pain like most guys would. Do? for sure
2: i mean technology is number one having good technology in place am i sold on what we're using right now not 100 percent, but it's better than what most irrigation contractors have been using and that's service tightening I'm hoping it continues to improve, but it has allowed us to change our system and processes that we can better complement our service. So once we got the the software in place, we were really able to dial in memberships. So now instead of having the past where we had prepaid customers like most contractors and then the pay-as-you-go, every customer now has a membership no matter how they pay, but that allows us to really dial in how we're going to schedule our customers, how many technicians we need on staff to be able to accomplish all those memberships, but also making sure we're getting more face time with the customers that we have, time to upsell, make sure the systems are perfect, and uh, dial those in for our customers.
1: Do you think that's what makes you
2: unique right now within the industry? I would think so, that we are very service-first focused, but I think it's more systems and processes within that, and then our unique culture and team, I think, beyond that is what makes makes us different.
1: Okay. So again, kind of, I've been hinting we're going to talk about the growth of the business, but one other aspect and just kind of want to focus on you yourself. And this is, we see this a lot with contractors. You come from working alongside your dad when you were really young in the holes, in the trenches, working machines to taking over ownership to you have a very future focused role right now. How have you made that transition? Like, how have you gone from having the tools on, to running it, to the numbers, to really not having to do it the day-to-day?
2: It's been a process. I don't think I've solved it 100% yet. I had an 8-inch main repair that I was all over going to do a couple weeks ago, right? I still enjoy getting in the field, but recognize that it doesn't do the business any good if I'm there constantly. I think, to be honest, the biggest change for me is when my dad actually passed. That realization of like, oh, crap, this is actually all on my shoulders now really forced me to dial in, not just look at the numbers, but actually dial them in and see what are they saying to me? How do I need to make adjustments based on what they're telling me versus just glimpsing at a scorecard, actually dialing into what the scorecard is saying. So I think when that ownership actually changed and the monkey responsibility now is all on my shoulders, I think that was the biggest changer for me. The other thing is just having a great team behind you. We have a really great leadership team and a great team under them as well. Our technicians are great and our office team is great. But having that strong leadership team that pushes me out of the day-to-day and holding myself
1: accountable has been just as big of a part of that as well. Okay. So. And then what's your kind of role day-to-day now? What do you see your role as?
2: So definitely I'm, I'm focused on 90 days to 10 years ahead. I'm very focused on where are we going, what is the vision for Blue Jay, and then how do we make that happen. As our leadership team is very much on where are we today, what's the next 90 days look like, and our senior leadership team is with me meeting on that 90-day to 10-year ahead. But well, what do they need to work on today to help us for the future is really what those discussions are for. I'm still a little bit in the day-to-day on the bookkeeping side or just there for advice or accountability. But I'm not necessarily working on much of what's going
1: on for today. Good. Most of us are great technicians. And a lot of great technicians have a struggle moving into that ownership role, right? And you've seen that in you know, peers that you that you look at and, and that you see and stuff like that. So, but yeah, that's a great explanation of how you can move that through. So anyways, we're going to take a quick break here from one of our sponsors. And then after we get back, we're going to talk about the next growth opportunities that Blue Jay has taken.
0: Hi friends, I'm just interrupting the conversation to tell you about today's podcast sponsor, Jim Pattison Lease. We are so grateful for partners like Pattison who we can recommend without reservation to our clients and friends. Wendy Ladd has been part of our lives for years, making each vehicle or equipment purchase so much easier and less stressful. She is definitely someone you need in your contacts list. One of the many benefits of Jim Pattison Lease is their online reporting system. It is effective and easy to use, and a great way to manage your fleet of light-duty cars and trucks. The reporting system offers a detailed tracking system that generates useful fleet analytics, including monthly fleet activities, cents-per-kilometer reporting, maintenance history, and fuel expenditures. In addition, you have access to alerts regarding vehicle expenses in excess of authorized limits. The online reporting system is available 24-7 for easy access that matches your work schedule. You can organize your fleet of trucks and cars according to your unique reporting requirements. Their team of lease and fleet experts can arrange to meet with you periodically to conduct a fleet assessment and make suggestions and recommendations to improve your operating results. To see how their full leasing solution, including powerful reporting can help you, contact Wendy Lad at 416. Four one seven, five two three three, or Wendy dot at JPLease And now back to Grant.
1: All right, welcome back, everyone. Yeah, just love to thank our sponsor, Jim Pass and Lease, for helping us out and uh, being a long-term sponsor of this program. So. If you've just joined us, we're here with Trevor from Blue Jay Irrigation. And uh, Trevor, we kind of hinted at it, but uh, I think it's very unique how you have taken a new concept in our industry, I'd say, and you've grown to multiple locations. So tell us what the first location and kind of how you did that and kind of what that looks like in structure.
2: Yeah, so the real need came from it 2016. I remember the Liberal government was talking about getting rid of our overtime designation. And I just couldn't fathom. There's some bigger customers, not necessarily in the GTA, but just outside the GTA. And I couldn't fathom paying overtime to drive to these customers or even having them ask our team to spend the night. So my mind instantly went to, so how do we accommodate and look after these customers without having all that drive time? And we had some friends that we had met from past business opportunities that we had looked at and uh, always discussed, you know, they they potentially want to get into irrigation and what would that look like? And nothing ever materialized over the years, but eventually I reached out to them and we had a discussion about opening a location in Niagara Falls. And we had an opportunity to acquire a customer list at that time down there as well with a technician. So it would set it up for um, some initial success right from the get-go. So we went ahead and opened that. The way the structure is, we have, we set up each location as a joint partnership. So, They own a percentage of the business. We own a percentage of the business so that uh, they have ownership. They want to drive it forward. They want to see it succeed. They're willing to go the extra mile, but they get to share the reward. So it's not just an area manager and necessarily. Maybe they get a bonus at the end of the year. They're not just creating value for themselves today. They're creating value for them 10, 15, 20 years down the road when we eventually look to retire and we can sell the business so there's some there's value in that because they are growing for something for them that's bigger down the road
1: okay so you talked a little bit about what is the benefit to that local person and what's the benefit to you as blue jay
2: so i said years ago in the 90s my dad did try franchising i've seen other franchise systems and It rewards the franchisor, but the franchisee struggles. And at the same time, there's not a lot of control for the franchisor to manage that brand. And our reputation is one of our most important things at Jay. We've spent 40 years building it. It takes 30 seconds to wreck it. So moving forward, I wanted to make sure we could grow. But at the same time, I still have the control of maintaining our brand, making sure that uh, the people in place are respecting history of blue jay and want to drive it forward with us together we're going together and separately so that's where i thought by having the joint venture partnership they have their own business they're responsible for the day-to-day they're driving it forward but at the same time i still have the control of making sure that they use our systems or processes or make uh, taking care of our customers they're service first focus not install first focus Mm. so that install gets tempting but we got to get this service work done first before we go to that install. So just making sure that those little things too are taken care of. And then at the same time for us, we're not having to worry about what's going on the day-to-day of the operations. That's their responsibility. And you look at most contractors, most irrigation contractors, like you said, they're typically technicians first. They're not usually business owners. So why not put them in a place where they're set up to succeed, which is must be an operator within an operations business. We'll worry about scheduling, finances, administration, sales, so that we look after the administrative burden. They're just worried about the day-to-day, making sure that their team's set up for success and that they can complete their schedule and make sure they're taking care of the customers.
1: So what makes a good strategic partner for you? What is that ideal person? If you're looking, going into, maybe you're looking into a different area, what are you looking for for that partnership?
2: I mean, irrigation knowledge is obviously important, but it's not, you know, we can train the irrigation. Uh, for me, I'm looking for someone that's driven, very driven, focused, but also has some analytical thought process there too. So they can look at a scorecard, they can look at numbers, and they can make adjustments as they go through. But at the same time, they have to have a drive. I'm very much a driver, and I push and I push. And I, I probably run a higher pace than most of my team probably likes at times. But by having that drive, we can accomplish what we've accomplished in a short amount of time. So I need someone in line with that, wanting to drive that business forward, wanting to get the next technician on the road, wanting to get another acquisition under our belt with more customers to continue to grow this year over year. I don't want someone that um, is wanting to sit back or coast. I want someone that sees the big long-term picture and wants to drive it forward. And then, you know, the irrigation aspect, we can... If they have irrigation knowledge, great. They still need to learn Blue Jay systems and processes. If they don't, you know, we've done that to our Kitchener partner. He actually came into Blue Jay London and spent two years training underneath our general manager, setting him up for success that when he went to Kitchener, he was launching. Okay. How long have you had Niagara? Uh, Niagara, 2017. So that's five years now. And then Kitchener opened at the beginning of 2022. And same type of clientele. Very similar. Uh, The only difference with Kitchener is we were able to do some acquisitions before we opened the location and the fact it was kind of central between the two. uh, We were able to support those acquisitions last year without having the location in place so that uh, when we did open this location, we were set up for success.
1: Okay. So in this new model, and again, new model, I would say, because I've never heard of that before, and it sounds like a great model for you to grow. What's been good about it and what has maybe been not so good about it that you've learned along the way? Yeah.
2: I mean, the one is that we're, we're on this together. has been great. We're sharing the risk of it and uh, we want to see it succeed together. I think not so great is just, initially kind of building the systems and processes to, you know, really works well when you're in London and everything's in London and we're all side by side, but how do we work remotely now? And that was one of the biggest challenges is how do we support remotely? How do we get paperwork even to each other remotely? How do you, so I think more than anything, the biggest challenge is figuring out how to make it work. Mm -hmm. So it took a lot of time.
1: Yeah. It's easy to manage people when you can see them. But it does, the distance makes it a little bit difficult. But I think COVID has taught us a lot that we can all be managed remotely, Mm -hmm. right, for the majority of stuff. So that's great. So, and then what's your big hairy, Audacious goal for Blue Jay in the next five years? (laughs) What would you love to see happen?
2: Next five years, probably another two or three locations, honestly. I see that as our growth growth pattern for Blue Jay. Uh, Again, looking for great operators who want to just operate. They don't want to worry about... What's going on with the schedulers or what's going on with finances? That's our responsibility, so we'll have that centralized office that we're we're managing, and then they're worried about the day to day. So my goal is to continue to look at acquisitions and those kind of opportunities and then put more locations in different cities
1: mm-hmm. so if you're an irrigation contractor there and you like kind of this formula that Trevor's proposing or has done if you're interested, I'll, we'll leave his contact information at the end of the podcast for you so excellent. So the other one I'd like to ask you about is you've leveraged peer groups in your personal education and in your leadership. So I know you have belong to a bunch of different peer groups. Talk to contractors about why peer groups are important and maybe what you've learned and some of the groups you've been part of. For sure.
2: I originally started my dad and my dad's really good friend who was an irrigation contractor in Burlington, select sprinklers. They started a peer group with some buddies down in the US and they just really wanted support. You know, are they on track or the off track do these numbers make sense do i price correctly you know it's 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 hard when you're all by yourself and sometimes you don't know the answer to some of these questions uh, but at the same time you don't necessarily want to ask your competition which we can understand so this is a way to have connection with other irrigation contractors who feel the same pains and challenges and the same opportunities as you but you're not in the same market they open up their books financially, you benchmark against each other. You can recognize I spend way too much money doing marketing or I don't spend enough money on marketing. And you can ask the questions like, what do you do differently? How do you do this? How do you tackle this? You know, you run into a problem middle of the season. You can just email other contractors who may have gone through this problem already and they're willing to support you and help you out because they know that you're there to support them if they have a problem. So peer groups have really helped want to bounce ideas off them, help me really understand my numbers you know as a young young man going into these peer groups, maybe at times a little too cocky, you know really getting humble and eating some humble pie as you go through these peer groups, but then not only that, they want to bring you alongside them, and they want to help you and and really help you get to that next level, help know your numbers and uh, there's a friend of mine down in Michigan and He's kind of almost become a big brother to me through the peer group network. And he knows anything there is to know in numbers, ratios, equations. And through him, he's really developed and helped me get to where I am today. And just through a peer group network, right? But he is kind of that big brother that I turned to. And he's a second generation owner too. So I've been able to go to him for advice and also bring him up to help coach myself and our leadership team when we implemented traction because he had already been running it to make sure that we were on track with it and um, doing it the right way. So peer groups have been invaluable. When COVID hit, things changed. We started a Canadian irrigation peer group. And again, just having guys within the same market, um, but not competition, being able to support each other, even through COVID and the challenges it presented, Mm -hmm. right? Just people you can talk to feel like you're on the right track, or if you're all suffering from the same thing, You're all sharing in the pain. And sometimes that's just as much of a comfort as it is finding a solution to the problem. So there's just a lot of advantages with it. But at the same time, there's no judgment there. They're not looking to steal ideas from you. They're looking, we're all looking to share and help each other, which is the most important thing of it. Mm -hmm. And they're all trying to make the industry
1: better. That's the great thing about it. So. So Trevor, that was kind of your industry peer group that you belong to, but you belong to some other groups as well. Mm -hmm. I think you have one or two other ones that you're kind of involved in. Yeah, so
2: I'm also in like a personal advisory group that are non-irrigation companies that are local, but they're all family businesses. And we're all second generation or later. So that's been very valuable just to get perspective from other multi-generational owners, again, supporting each other from the perspective of just, what goes on in our businesses from a non-industry perspective. So that's been very valuable, but I would say the the one group that has been really good for me and been a blessing is in our church setting, we started a PAG personal advisory group of business owners within the church. And just having that faith component on top of the business perspective is just, has been really um, a blessing, but also convicting at times too. And, has just really kind of helped me in the past year just kind of rechange really my focus and have more vulnerable open conversations and and it's just been really healthy for
1: me so i enjoy uh because we share the same faith um Mm -hmm. and i think i enjoy those groups because again you're getting advice from people like in the business world that may not share your own personal core values right Mm -hmm. so having someone who is closer on core values to be like especially when major business decisions come along is always really important right Mm -hmm. to be able to to refer back to that so that's good so the one thing we hear all the time from guys who um, want to join a peer group is there's typically two situations where it's the time and money, right? But you invested in three currently, and you have to give time and money to both of those. So talk to the contractor right now that thinks, I don't have the time or money to invest in this. Obviously, you think it's a good investment. or For
2: Sure. I mean, to be honest, like from a peer group network, we implemented probably the, the biggest money revenue producer in the business which is flat rate pricing and service so if it wasn't for that investment in a peer group i never would have known about it or never maybe would have implemented it or you know it would have taken 5-10 years down the road to implement it so by investing in that peer group you know someone supported us to really help us understand how we can make service more viable as a business unit so from a money perspective it's just reinvesting back in your business honestly I don't see it as a cost. I see it as an opportunity not only to get back to the industry but also to gain new perspective that can also improve our business. Mm-hmm. So I don't see it as an expense at all. From the time perspective, yeah, it takes time, but you know, at the same time, like how are you developing yourself? I spend a lot of time reading on the weekends and spend a lot of time in peer groups and I have business coach meetings. And you know, yeah, it takes a lot of time, and yeah, sometimes. You know, I got to work later or I miss family time. But at the same time, if I'm not developing myself and I'm constantly learning and pushing myself, how can I expect that of my team? How can I expect that of our business? If business is going to stay status quo? Well, it's because uh, I'm staying status quo. Mm-hmm. And if someone really challenged me with this quote that uh, to find the heart of the business, you got to look at the soul of the leader. And that really challenged me. Okay, so where am I at first? Mm-hmm. And if I'm not developing, pushing myself, the business is just going to stay the same. Yeah. So.
1: Okay. Good. So that kind of leads into the last part. And we ask all our guests, this is just some personal stuff. So outside of maybe peer groups and stuff that you're learning from the church, who else are you currently learning from?
2: Yeah. So I mean, I'm a business coach and he, he's an older gentleman. He's got a crazy, crazy resume. He, he brought McDonald's to Eastern Canada. He started his own restaurant business. He helped develop the keg franchise. He went to work for the Sheik in Egypt So just amazing, different professional experiences. He's had such a huge impact on me, not only from just when we first brought him in, was to help us with the dynamic between my father and I, to developing myself, helping me through the transition of the business, supporting me, moving the business forward once my dad passed, and the family dynamics that was brought along with that, and now helping me push our vision forward. So... Yes, I've been learning from him for a long time, but I'm still currently learning from him every single time I meet with him. That's good.
1: And how often would you meet with him? Is that a regular? Uh, Every two weeks. Every two weeks? Okay. Yeah, every two weeks. Good. Okay. And then what's one book or habit that has impacted your business life the most? Attraction, for sure. Attraction transformed our business years ago when...
2: you know, we we're growing and I wanted more of a, a role of leadership. And we had other members of our team that wanted a role of leadership. And I think my dad, you know, was all it, but just didn't know how to make it happen. So Traction really kind of was the kickstart for where Blue Jay is today. And then a book that's really kind of complemented Traction for me is Visioneering by Andy Stanley. And it's one book that just took this big word of vision and really stripped it down to what does it truly mean? And what are all the stages of it? So there's times where a vision, you're in a waiting phase. And that's where vision can go to die. Mm. So what are you doing to sustain that vision through some of those waiting periods, right? I mean, that's one of the, the realizations I have from that book. So it was a really good compliment to overall attraction, which yeah. is implemented. Or we've implemented in our business and it's just
1: been a huge game changer for us. So. Okay. And then the last question before we let you go, what's one thing you're currently thankful for? faith family but more on the professional
2: side just our team team that supported me through some definitely some challenges and with the changes of when my dad passed and my transition and you know i'm just very thankful
1: that they're they're all on board with the vision and want to move forward together so very good again i don't get to have the guests sit across from me all that often so it's great to have trevor here in our office and Just have so appreciated my relationship with Trevor over the years. And uh, yeah, just how uh, we've been able to work together in in different areas. So again, thank you so much, Trevor, for joining us today.
2: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: We hope you enjoyed Grant's conversation with Trevor. And if you're not convinced of the value of coaching and peer groups after hearing from Trevor, then you should probably go back and listen to this episode again. Trevor is part of our irrigation peer group and the group is accepting new members. The peer group is made up of innovative creative thinkers like Trevor who want to help and challenge each other to improve their businesses and themselves. At each meeting, which are sometimes online and sometimes in person, we discuss financial benchmarking, HR issues including compensation structures, identifying ideal clients and employee training. For more information visit our website at nextraconsulting.ca and click on services.